All right, so uh, many of you have been praying for and have asked me this morning about my mom. Thank you. Uh, mom's doing well, a, a lot better. Um, two, two weeks ago, uh, mom ended up in the hospital. She was suffering from some kidney issues. Uh, it was really touch and go with her. Uh, she, was, she was really, really sick. And she stayed in the hospital, and they worked through that, managing that, and got her to a, a good place where her kidneys were functioning well again, well enough for her to go home. She went home uh, last Sunday. Well, Monday morning, she started suffering from shortness of breath. And she called my dad, and she said, uh, Look, uh, you need to, can you come get me, take me to the hospital, or do I need to call an ambulance? And he said, I'll be right there. And so uh, he got her, to the, got her to the hospital, and she, um, for, let me say again, for shortness of breath, which was resolved almost immediately, the shortness of breath. But while there in the hospital, she suffered a massive uh, GI hemorrhage and almost took her life. Had she not been in the hospital, she would have passed. God didn't see it that way. He, wanted to, he had other plans still for her. And uh, an issue that was shortness of breath that resolved almost immediately got her to a hospital where she could be cared for uh, for such a, such a massive uh, health issue. And I just thank God for that. She was, she's been in ICU all week. Uh, and uh, yesterday she went to the step-down unit. Praise the Lord. All right. Uh, I, I was telling some folks this morning that I knew my mom was feeling better when she started complaining about the food. Uh, so she's probably going to watch this online at some point, and I'm going to hear about that. Well, praise the Lord, though. Uh, she called this morning, and she wanted to make me to make sure I told you she sure appreciates you praying for her. My mom, Calliope. Callie Hartley. All right, so we are back in the... Uh, sermon series on abide um pastor fred is out of town this weekend he's with uh, at a guidestone convention with a southern baptist convention with southern baptist convention so be praying for them as they travel and i get the privilege of preaching this morning and we're back in the series on uh, abiding if i could if, as i was thinking about summing up what abide this series is all about these these chapters in john where jesus is giving us the upper room discourse. What this is abiding is about is basically this. Jesus is saying, I've come and I've done what my Father sent me to do. It's about that. It's not about you. It's not about you. So when we talk about this abiding, that's what it comes down to. We have to be in this culture, which is so difficult in our Western culture, so very difficult. We have to get to a place where we understand that this life in Christ is about Him and not me. Jesus makes that clear in the things He says, um, you, know, you know, that 
If, in Luke 9.23, Jesus said, If anyone is, will come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. That Paul writes about being crucified in Christ. I no longer live. It is Christ who lives in me. It's all about this dying to self. And this is not a popular message. We don't want this. This is what, what we come to church for. We come to church for, the, uh, too often, things like this. That's where my friends are. That's where I feel welcomed. That's, where, uh, it's, that's sort of my, my routine. It's my culture. And when something happens, I'll go there so I'll feel better. Do you know that is not what worship was about? In the, in the, in the Bible? It's, it's about coming and praising the Creator of everything. Who doesn't need us, but He wants us. That's what this is about. It's all about... We have, there has to be this giant shifting in the way we think, especially in our culture. That this is not about you. It's all about God. It is all about God. So... Where we, been the, where we were last week, we were talking about one of the fruits of abiding in Christ. And Pastor Fred talked about that fruit being the fruit <clears throat> excuse me, of answered prayer. We looked at verse 7 and 8 in, verse, in chapter 15. Let's look at those verses again real quick. If, Jesus said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, then you'll ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. And then he said in verse 8, uh, By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Here, if you abide in Christ, Jesus is saying one of the fruits of that is prayer. It's the, the fruit of prayer, of fruit-bearing prayer. That prayer, kind of prayer that Brother Fred described for us, that Jesus described for us, is this. It is a prayer that is all about Him. And not about you. How we too often see prayer is that Jesus is this great, big, sort of cosmic vending machine. Or He's like this divine Santa Claus. Where we bring Him... We put our money in the machine and then we select what we're going to get from Him. Or, or we submit our list to Him and expect it to be fulfilled. Check, check, check. That's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, if you abide in Me and My Word abides in you, then you'll ask what you wish and it will be done for you. What that means is, if Jesus is your very essence for life, if He is the air you breathe, if you cannot possibly imagine taking the first step in the morning without acknowledging the presence of the God who gave you the breath in your lungs, and then you live in His Word, if you abide in Me and My Word abides in you, if you see God's Word as the precious truth flowing from the very mouth of God, 
then your prayers will reflect that. And your prayers won't be, gimme, 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 gimme. You know what your, pray- your prayers will be? Wow! I get you, God. I get you. I get you. I can't, I can't. There are enough words in all the language languages ever created to describe who you are. You're amazing. And that's what our prayers look like. Look, make my heart your heart. Make my will your will. And you know what? Just like Pastor Fred said last week, the answer to that prayer every single time from God is yes. That's a prayer. And that prayer is not about you. It's about Him. So we have this first fruit of of biting in in Christ. It's a fruit-bearing prayer. What you're going to hear about next week is this next fruit, is this fruit-bearing love. Look at verse 9 through 13. Let's just read that real quick. I'm just going to read through it. Pastor Fred's going to preach this next week. Look, here it says, As a father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. Wow. What we could spend about a week just trying to unpack that. Then he says, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. You know, and I'm just crazy enough to believe that when Jesus said, if you keep my commandments, you'll abide in my love, that that's what he meant. Verse 11. Just as I've kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love, you do. I'm not asking you to do anything I'm not done. These things have I spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Verse 12. This is my commandment. Uh Uh-oh, there it is again. That you love one another as I have loved you. I, I love how Jesus leaves that to question for interpretation. You know, like it might be a... No, like it might be a suggestion. No, no, He said, this is my commandment. And then verse 13. Greater love has no man than this, than he laid down his life for his friends. Look, again, if we are abiding in Christ, the fruit of that is fruit-bearing love. And that kind of love is not a selfish love. It's not a love with you at the center. It's not a love with me at the center. It's a love with Jesus at the center. That you, the way, I'm just going to say this, because Brother Fred's going to preach this sermon, but I'm just going to say this. For me, the way I love my wife, Leanne, has to be with Jesus at the center. As Christ has loved me, so shall I love Leanne. It's Boy, it starts, it's different when you start putting names there. As Christ has loved me, so shall I love my son Chance, my son Cooper, and my daughter Claire. As Christ has loved me, so shall I love, and you enter the name of the person who said that bad thing about you. Who did that bad thing to you. And I'm, look, I'm not here to downplay the bad things that have been said and done to you. I'm not. Because they're awful. 
But I know what Jesus said. This is my commandment. That you love one another. Not just the good people. Not just the worthy people. But that you love one another as I've loved you. And not just the, and not the way you want to love them. But the way I have loved you. That is huge. Brother Fred is going to preach that next Sunday. You ready for that? Today we're going to talk about this fruit. It's the fruit of friendship. Once again. Once again. It is a fruit that a friendship that is born out of abiding in Christ, in your relationship with Christ. It is a friendship that is not about you. It's about Jesus. You know, often how we see our friendships is how we, what we can get out of it. This is generally how we pick our friends. We pick our friends by, okay, that person looks like me, that person sounds like me, that person is really handsome or that person's really pretty or I want to be around that person because that person makes me feel good. You know, a better way to choose your friends ought to be I want to be a friendship with that person because that person makes me want to be like Jesus. Challenges me to be in the Word and to love and to pray and to worship and to be in proper fellowship and to, and to serve my world. That's how we ought to pick our friends. Instead, we let our friends pick us. The fruit that we're talking about bearing today is this fruit of friendship. Let's read what Jesus wrote in verse 14 and 15. He said this, You are my friends if you do what I command you. There Jesus goes again being obtuse. Not making it clear. He makes it very clear. You're my friend if you obey me. Then in verse 15, he says, You know, I don't, no longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. Instead, I call you friends. For all that I have heard from my Father, I've made known to you. I can't wait to talk to you about this. But first, let's pray. All right. Holy Spirit, here we are. We've worshipped You. We've made much of You. We pray now in Jesus' name, in the power of the Holy Spirit, that You would change us the truth of Your Word. In Your name I pray. Amen. I've got three thoughts about this. And um, just in case you're wondering, I'm going to talk about the spear again. <laughs> I know you guys have been missing that. All right. So let's look at thought number one. Thought number one. Friends of God are no longer... I'm sorry. Friends of God don't see obedience as optional. Friends of God don't see obedience as optional. Look at verse 14 again. Jesus just makes it clear. In verse 14 He says, You are My friends... If you do what I command you. So does, does Jesus leave any room there for being his friend and not being obedient? He doesn't. See, this is, this is a concept that's so, wet, so not Western. A Western concept is, all right... Let me tear that 
sentence apart and find the loopholes so I can still be what I want to be and be God's friend at the same time. That's the Western way we want to read Scripture. That's not the Eastern way in which it was written. In Jesus' culture, it, is absolute, it was absolutely unheard of to know the truth and not do it. This obedience that we're talking about is born out of love. It all goes back to the abiding. If Jesus is the very essence of your being, if He is the air you breathe, I just love that picture of abiding. He is the air I breathe. The very breath in my lungs. That is who Jesus, if He's that to you, then you will, you can't, you will not be able to avoid falling in love with your Savior. The, and the more you love Him, the more you want to obey Him. It's just a, it is an obedience born out of love. It is not an obedience born out of fear. It's not an obedience born out of trying to manipulate the, uh, the one who's in control. It is an obedience born out of love. When I'm, I'm in, a, in a mutually submissive relationship and in, in a marriage relationship, there are times, guys, you'll agree with me, that I obey my wife. Right? Happy wife, happy life. Amen? I do not obey in those situations but out of fear for my sweet Leanne or out of some, some need to manipulate her. When my wife asks me, can you go by and do this thing for me? I go by and I do that because I love her. I want to do that. I want to please her. Not because of anything I can get from her, but because I love her. I want to serve her. This is the kind of relationship, but even on a much more perfected level with Christ. We serve Him. We obey Him. <clears throat> Because we love Him. Uh, Eric Van Pelt uses this analogy. He said, this is the, this is the Christian's walk, right? It's <clears throat> trust and obey. Tr tr trust <laughs> and obey. Trust and obey. Trust and obey. And love is all interwoven. I don't even begin the process of trust outside of loving of my Savior, love for my Savior. Just wrapped together. You know, it is, it's what we see it, it's in, in, our, in our tagline for First Baptist Church. <clears throat> we say, knowing, being, and going. Knowing, being, and going. Knowing is the gathering of information. 
being is the moving from inform that is the information becoming inspiration. And the going is evidence of our transformation. Knowing, being, going. Information, inspiration, transformation. Friends of God don't see obedience as optional because they're in love with their Savior. All right? Thought number two. Friends of God are no longer slaves. Friends of God are no longer slaves. So we don't see obedience as optional, but we're no longer slaves. See, look at verse 15. I no longer call, do I call you servants, for the servant doesn't know what his master's doing. That word servant in the Greek is doulos, which means bondservant, which means slave. We, look y'all, we were once slaves. All of us. All of us who have become followers of Christ. All of us who have come to the place in our lives where I've tried everything on my own and I'm, all that's gotten me is the end of my rope. And I've tied a knot and I'm hanging on. <clears throat> and it is at that place where you're, you are a slave to your own desires. You're a slave to your lust. You're a slave to your codependency. You're a slave to, your, to drugs. You're a slave to sex. You're a slave to relationships. You're, whatever you're a slave to, you've come to the end of your rope, you're tied on, tied a knot, and you're hanging on. Basically, you're a slave to your sin there. And Jesus Christ has reached down into that point of your life and He saved you from that. And you're no longer a slave. <clears throat> We as the church of Jesus Christ need to stop living like we're slaves. And that we're free. Then Jesus has done that. No longer. Jesus, the words of Jesus, do I call you slaves. I don't call you that. You know, let's, let's go back to verse 15. He says, no longer do I call you slaves, for the slave doesn't know what his master is doing. And then he goes on to say, but I've called you friends. For all that I've heard from my father, I've made known to you. This word friend here in the Greek, it's not, it's not the, it's not, Susie, who you just met on the way to the bathroom, and she said she liked your blouse, and now you're best friends. It's not Johnny, who you bumped into at the restaurant, who has the same cheers for the same team you do, and now you're best friends. It's not what we're talking about. This friendship Jesus is talking to is, is basic, in the Greek, it's the friend of the court. It's the friend of the king. It's the friend of the emperor. You see, these people were in the inner circle of the king. They had unprecedented access to the most powerful person that they knew. And Jesus is saying, 
No longer do I call you slaves. I call you friends of the King. What in the picture Jesus is painting here is don't miss this. Is that he has gone out to the stable, or in Jewish culture, he's gone out to the pig pen, and he's gotten the person who does the most lowly and undesirable work possible and reserved for slaves. He's gone out and picked that person up from, from raking out the stable stalls and cleaning up after the pigs. He's taken that person in all the filth that they lived in and he's taken them out of that and he's made them his friend. He's the king has brought the slave into his inner circle. And that's what Jesus is saying He's done for us. And that ought to rattle you and me. And we ought, to, we ought to lift our hands in praise. That I was raking out the stalls and then Jesus called me friend. Come on! Wake up! We're friends of Jesus. The King of kings and the Lord of lords. The problem with us is we don't see ourselves. We've never seen ourselves as slaves. The way we have seen ourselves is just barely bad, and we need a little help from Jesus to get over the hump. And then we can go to heaven. That's how we see ourselves. That's what your mama told you. That's what my mama told me. But it's not true. We were cleaning out the pigsties, wallowing in our sin, and the King of all kings grabbed us and called us friends. That's the truth. Even though these friends are in the inner circle of the King, and they're friends of God, they're unprecedented access to the king, they're still servants. They're still, at the same time, 100% subservient to that king. They're just in a privileged place. And they serve him out of that friendship. That's how we should serve God. And I, my last thought is this. Friends of God are stewards of the most privileged information. Friends of God are stewards of the most privileged information. He, he says in the second part of verse 15, uh, Jesus says, he says, no, he says, I've called you friends for all that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. Friends of the King heard things before anyone else. And when it was time to share the information or the vision of the king, they were to be the most enthusiastic heralds of the news. The vision, the king is always the vision caster and his friends are always the vision carriers. Sometimes the friends of the court were sworn to secrecy. And sometimes they were said sent to, to go to the every town, every, every hill, 
every mountaintop, every valley, and spread the Word. Everything Jesus knows from the Father, He has made known to us. This is the privilege information that we have. And it begins with the Gospel. It begins with our story. Do you see what's happening here? The King of all kings has called you and me friend. And He's given us privilege information. And He said, don't keep it to yourself. Go, therefore, into all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Go and shout from the mountaintops your story that you were in the pig pen and I saved you and made you my friend. Go, 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 go! And we sit in our pews and think, one day I'll get around to it. We've been sent to shout the gospel to the world. To go and tell our stories. Do you know your story? Can you share with a lost friend your story? Can you do it? Do you know it well enough? This is where I want to talk about the spear. Ready? Let's put that old tired graphic up there. Oh, wait a minute. It's, it's new. Look at the new graphic. As we're going, as we go, this is what we do. Our point of the spear is reaching the lost for Christ. We want to emphasize and, and singing hymns. <laughs> if we, yeah. We can sing hymns to share the gospel. Amen. Right? Right? Praise the Lord. But we want to reach, the, reach families with children still at home. And we, we, but not, not just that. Anyone, anywhere who needs to go. Share your story. Jesus, will, Holy Spirit will use your story to lead people to Christ. That's His plan. Go. He doesn't say go and recite pages of theological writings from scholarly figures. He doesn't. Go tell them your story. And that's, that's the point. That's the head of the spear. Uh, uh, the, the shaft that carries that vision is, be, is praying for awareness. It, being equipped for gospel conversations. It's, it's praying for Holy Spirit to show us who the lost are. It's telling our stories. And it's partnering with one another. Partnering with the church to reach the lost. And the binding. What holds that shaft to the head of the spear is moving from theory to action. Look, in seven weeks, we will be celebrating Easter. In six weeks, we will be, there will be a great passion play here. Incredible opportunities to partner with First Baptist Church in sharing the gospel. You, 
praying for Holy Spirit to make you aware of those in your life to share your story about how Jesus snatched you up out of your slavedom and called you a friend. Who are you praying for? Who are the lost that are on your heart? Pray. I sent out an info, uh, 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 to our, our Sunday school classes. Please be praying. Make a list, a, a, a corporate list that your class is praying for. And individual lists. Be praying for them. Look, and I think it's wonderful. We ought to be praying for people all over the planet. But God has placed us right here in Blairsville in Union County. We ought to be praying right here for the lost. God, show me who, who at the square, who at, the, at Walmart, who at the gas station, who at the restaurant. Show me south, north, east, and west, in the mountains and in the valleys. Who, Holy Spirit, show me. Give me a heart. Break my heart for what breaks yours. You know what, you know what the answer to that prayer is from God? Yes. Yes. Seven weeks to Easter. Six weeks to the Passion Play. How are you going to partner with First Baptist? Now, if you're here today, I've talked a lot about Jesus, and, and you don't know Jesus like this. If you're here today, and you've never followed Christ, if you've never said to Him, you are my King. I want to be your friend. If, you've, if, if that's you today, maybe you came today just, I want to see what all this is about. Or maybe you've come to, you're sort of seeking, information seekers. Or maybe you're here today and you're, more, and you're desperate. The answer to both it's Jesus. I invite you to Him today. It begins with admitting that you are what Jesus says you are. The Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Everyone. All of us. Me. Everyone. Every king, every president, every missionary. Every pope, every your grandmother, we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. That sin separates us from Him. That's what keeps us, our lives in turmoil and chaos, is sin. You admit that. And then you believe that Jesus did what He said He did. He came, lived among us perfectly, and died for sacrifice to pay the wages of the sin instead of us dying. Jesus died. Believe that. Admit that you've run up a bill. And only Jesus could pay it. And then trust Him with your life. 
Don't. You don't have to wait till you quit smoking or drinking or having affairs or talking ugly about people or whatever. Pulling for the wrong team. You don't have to quit. You give your heart, your life to Jesus. You trust Him. He will fix. You just trust Him. You just chase after Him. You just chase after Him. He will clean up what needs cleaning up. If you let Him. That's what it means to follow Christ. Initially, there's so much more. And I would love to tell you about that. But it starts with that admitting and that believing and that trusting. I'm inviting you to that today. Will you come? Let's stand together.